chapter 5. I'm going to take my phone out and, one, keep it here so I know what time it is. But two, I'm going to ask you to do the same and make sure that you are not trying to check for Pokemon while we are here today. Okay? Good? Because I know every time you look down every five minutes, you're just hitting up this Pokestop. All right? A couple of you I'm watching. All right? The rest of you take and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Today is important for me, for you, for us. It's important. Paling in comparison to the scope of what's happening in our world. Don't know if you've paid much attention to the news this week. But there are things happening that are much more serious than what's happening right now. There's evil in this world that would seek to overcome it, that would seek to destroy it. And we live in it. We see it when we turn on our TV screens, when we open our newspapers. Now more than ever, I believe, if you look at Revelation and look at the signs of the times, you will see on a very regular basis the things that are outlined by the author John in Revelation. Just this week, within the news stories of major attacks of bombings, of political unrest, even of Pokemon Go. I made a joke that possibly what John saw when he saw creatures were simply Pokemon on a screen, but I don't know if that's biblically sound or not. But what we do know is that we are here for a purpose this morning. And that purpose is not the election of a new pastor. That purpose is not the future of this church. And that purpose is not anything that we could come up with in our minds. That purpose is to see the will of the Lord done. And Him be glorified. And the church be edified. I would not dare raise myself for this church above the will of God. For I know that that would be futile. So I'm praying that this morning that you are seeking the will of the Lord. Not the will of this minister. Not the will of a search committee. Not the will of even this church. But that you are seeking the will of the Lord. That will be important in about an hour's time. So I'm praying that as the word comes today that you would... Seek the will of the Lord, what He desires for First Baptist Church of Bristow. In knowing that uh, this day would be happening, we went on our mission trip to Memphis. And there we met uh, quite a few characters, quite a few individuals. If you weren't with us last Sunday night to, to see and, and to hear uh, the experiences that we had, then you missed out on quite a bit, and, and you can ask any uh, of those who went on the different trips to share with you, and they will gladly share. But one person that stuck out tremendously to me while we were on the trip was a person that God had divinely inspired me to meet. And his name was Stu Wine. And I told this story last Wednesday night. 
or last Sunday night, that I met with Stu, and, and, and that was a, a, a divine appointed time for Stu and I. Stu was a pastor for 56 years, and he was a funny guy, had lots of jokes. He was a joy to be around. In fact, made our, made our kids laugh quite a bit. Uh, you could tell that he just loved people, loved relational things, loved to talk. He had been at Rainbow Retirement Center there in Memphis as a chaplain and then had been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and became a resident. And even in being a resident, he was still chaplain there um, and, and ministered to us greatly. But I sent the groups out when we got there in teams of four to five, and, and they went around to the different rooms, and I came upon a, a, a group of them that was led by Merle, and they were talking with Stu in his room. That was the first time we had met Stu, and he was sharing with them uh, some jokes and, and talking with li- a little bit with them about why we were there, and he was just excited and, and just uh, thrilled that we were there to help. And Merle came and prayed over Stu, and, and, and the group left, and I just took my opportunity, and I said, hey, you've been a pastor for 56 years, give me, give me some of that wisdom. Let me hear some things. Let, let me spend some time with you. And we spent about five, ten minutes just talking. And up until that point, I didn't know what I was going to preach this morning. I had thought for time and time again that, that there would be some different things that I could preach on. One, I could preach from, from my perspective. And I could tell you all the things that, that I thought maybe you wanted to hear. I could preach from your perspective. And I could tell you all the things that you didn't want to hear. I could preach and talk about the future, about how what we're going to do, how things are going to change, what things God would be moving us towards. I could preach on several different things. I could pull a one-off sermon off of my files and say, you know, this is probably the best one that I've ever delivered. I could probably give that one. But in that meeting with Stu Wine... At Rainbow Retirement Center, God shared with me what I was to preach on this day. And it comes out of 1 Peter chapter 5. I asked Stu, I said, if there was one piece of advice that you could give me, if there was one thing that you could share with me right now, if you didn't have any other moments to speak with me, but as a, as a prospective pastor, what would you tell me? He said, well, son, let's take the Bible Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And he led me to verses 1 through 4, challenged me with those verses. And born out of that, the Spirit began to move in my heart about what we were to speak about today. So with that, with that, let's dive in to 1 Peter chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight and not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, and not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, And likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your cares upon Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we're seeking those last words. To you be dominion and power and glory and honor forever and ever. May that be done this morning. We humbly submit to your word now. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Here in the scripture we find a couple things. First we find... Paul, or Peter, excuse me, speaking to the shepherd. And then we see him speaking to the sheep, to the flock. And today I believe that we can take something both for me and for you. And we can apply it and see how God would take the glory for himself within it. I want to begin in 1 Peter Verse 5, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. We know from 1 Timothy, we know that he who desires the office of overseer desires a noble work. And it is one that is given to willingly. And I say that word with a little bit of reserve. Because to be honest with you, to take an office that God calls you to, knowing full well the implications behind it, it can be hard to go willingly. Even Jesus Himself to the cross said, if there's any way for this cup to pass, let it be. But not my will. Yours be done. I can honestly tell you that over the past couple months, my prayer has been, as is found in Psalm 51, 12, that God would uphold me with a willing spirit. I can only make a promise to you that I give myself willingly. And I hope that you understand how difficult that would be. Second, Peter says this. He says, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, and not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not only is willingness demanded from the shepherd, but eagerness is demanded as well. We desire to see souls come to Jesus, but we also desire to see people discipled into relationship with Jesus. My heart 
is that our church would become a church that hinges on discipleship. That not only does evangelism come out of discipleship, but service comes out of discipleship. That not only does public worship come out of discipleship, but private time in the Word comes out of discipleship. I would be eager to see us move that way. The third thing that is required from the shepherd is holiness. In verse 3, he says this, not, do not, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. Holiness. 1 Timothy 3.2, therefore an overseer must be above reproach. When I ask you that you seek the will of the Lord, the will of the Lord is that you demand of the shepherd some amount of holiness. Some accountability that the church does not become passive, but that the church is active in seeing the man of God called to lead them be an example. you should desire a willing candidate. And if the Lord would move today that I not be the one, then the next man who fills this pulpit, you should desire a willing candidate. And you should desire an eager candidate. Someone who is wanting of the Lord's will. Actively seeking the Lord's will. And you, t- you should desire holiness of a candidate. Do not settle. I'm not saying that you take a pastor and put him on a pedestal. Because people who f- are put on pedestals will fall. And that is a guarantee. But what I'm asking is that in love and in grace and in sincerity an application of the Word of God, you desire holiness from the one who you would call to lead you. I could stop right there, but I won't. Because this is where it gets fun for me. You see, when we see this Scripture, we see it, and, and oftentimes, here's what we do. We break it up. We see 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 as a word for the shepherd. And then we take verse 6 on and we say this is a word just for anyone. When we speak on humility, we try to just pick this verse in verse 6. But there's a turn in verse 5 that we need to pay attention to. Not only does Peter start out, I exhort the elders among you. Those who are in office of overseer, I tell them this as shepherds. But he goes to verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. We like to take that one too and we like to say, listen. 
age matters, and if you're younger than me, then you're subject to me. Right? Mom and dads, we like to use that one. (laughs) But listen, when we're looking at the text here, and when we're looking at the context of what is happening, Peter's taking a direct turn towards the flock. I exhort you as overseers, as shepherds, likewise as the flock. So these words today are for you. This is what a pastor would desire. What I believe the Lord desires of us. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The first thing that's expected from the flock is humility. But I want to add this note that it's not just expected from the flock, it's expected from the shepherd as well. Because of the terminology, because of the words used, clothe yourselves, all of you. Peter's making an inference there that, listen, nothing is going to happen in pride. But humility will rule the day. From a church, humility is an important thing. Not as humble servant, not as walk-on, not as someone that is stepped over. No. Humility is in someone who is so proud of Christ. So wanting of God's will and not our own. I pray that for you today and I pray that for you in the future. That we would walk humbly. That we would see to it that God's will be done. That we would see to it that God is the one who is demanding and correcting and guiding and leading us. Not our own personal thoughts. Not our own personal opinions. Not our own personal desires. Philippians 2, 1-7 through says this, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, and do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Humility. We are to be humble. If you have an opinion, that's fantastic. If you have a thought, that's a great thing. If you have a desire, don't fight against that. But rather... In humility, seek what the Lord would have first. That is what is desired from the flock. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Satan is not on your side. I hope that was not a mind-blowing truth to somebody today. 
Be sober-minded and be watchful. When you make a decision, when you seek the will of the Lord in the church, when you seek what His desire is for you among the body of believers that you claim, that you go to, that you meet with, be sober-minded and be watchful. Guys, what is happening today, Satan would love to mess all of this up. He would love to put thoughts in your mind. He would love to put selfish desires in your heart. What is going to happen in the future of our church, God would desire for good for us to go out with the gospel and Satan would desire for us to sit in our pews and not move a muscle in the name of Jesus. Be watchful. Be sober-minded. In turn, which will lead to holiness. You see, not only is holiness desired of the shepherd, but it is also desired of the flock. 1 Peter 5.9 Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. Resist the devil. Firm in your faith. Guys, we will not see change in our lives. We will not see change in the lives around us until we get serious about the sin in our own life. Until we get serious about pursuing holiness. I'm not saying that we need to be perfect. I'm not saying that we need to be above anybody else. Better than. But what I am saying is that we need to take a good look at Scripture. And we need to hold our life up against it. And we need to pursue Jesus in changing those things which would keep us from Him. Desired holiness. Now here's the cool thing. There's a couple outcomes to this. One for me, one for you. One for the shepherd, one for the sheep. In verse 4, Peter says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And in verse 10, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. When we move forward, living as we are called to in 1 Peter chapter 5, as shepherd and as the flock, God has good things. You want to be restored? You want to see First Baptist Church restored? You want to see First Baptist Church confirmed? The body here strengthened? Established in the gospel? Then we must pursue holiness. We must be sober-minded and we must be humble. That is the promise given to us. 
But let me just say this. All of those things are great. It's fantastic to have the promise of a crown of glory. It's fantastic for you to have the promise of restoration, confirmation, strength, and security. But let's not forget what the main thing is. What the main point is. What the main reason, the main goal, the only reason that we should be here is. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ. Guys, it's right there. Let's not forget that in the scope of eternity, the Gospel is the only thing that is important. Let's remember that in the scope of eternity, all the formalities and processes and procedures are all for naught if the number one thing in our hearts and minds is something other than the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you with this. If the gospel of Jesus Christ is not your main goal, is not what you want to see, if you have some other reason for being here this morning, some other reason for seeing the future of this church other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, then I would encourage you to not make any decisions today. The gospel of Jesus Christ is first and foremost, above all. And let me remind those who are here today that it's for everyone. It's for all. The God of all grace. The grace that covers my sin and your sin. The grace that covers the sin of all of those around us. It's for all. Maybe you're here today. And all that jargon that I just said means nothing to you. Except for that last thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. That the God of all grace gave His Son to cover your sin so that you may enter a relationship with Him. So that you may See His eternal glory. You see, because without Him, there's no covering for your sin. And you will spend an eternity apart from God. Church, let's not forget that right there. The Gospel is the only reason we should make any decision. The Gospel is the only reason we should even meet together. The Gospel is the only reason that we should push forward. The gospel of Christ Jesus and that alone. Let's pray together. God, we know that you are among us. We know that you are Your spirit is moving. God, we're praying that you would lead and guard our 
guide our hearts right now. God, I'm praying that if there's someone here that has never entered that relationship with you, never experienced the grace of Jesus, the grace that you give to us by way of the cross to give us a hope of eternal glory. God, I pray that if there's anyone here that has never received that grace, that they would come today. God, I know in large part I'm speaking to Christians, to the church here. God, I'm praying that Your will be done. I'm praying that You be glorified. That the name of Jesus be lifted high today. And no other name. God, I'm praying for Your move in our hearts and in our lives. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you stand with me?